0: Rob
1: Doster here, I got Jeff Goodman with me Hell no John Fink
2: Are we still live? Field of 68 till I die oh, I'm sorry man, I've out Randolph children DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in Goodman needs to be fired all the time Josh
1: Pazka
3: You're gonna beat people, straight up You know the deal
1: Drink responsibly tonight, I'll be drinking with you
4: Jarrell McNeil
1: From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors
0: This is Field of 68 after dark
3: hello and welcome in to another episode of field of 68 after dark it is february 1st 2024 we're already through the month of january and uh, we are on to february getting closer and closer to tournament time uh was not a super packed slate tonight but there was a very good game uh in the big 10 as nebraska comes back from uh, down 19 at home to get the win in overtime over number six ranked wisconsin we're going to get into that here momentarily uh and break down nebraska's uh resume which continues to get better by the day i'm john martin hosting tonight with my guys tyler Hansbro and jarrell mcneil we're going to get into uh the collapse that's taken place uh in memphis 16 days ago, number 10 in the country, now probably out of the tournament. It's a packed slate this weekend, so we'll get into all of that and more today on the show. But, fellas, let's start with this win, this epic comeback by Nebraska to beat Wisconsin. Uh, Nebraska became the first team to come back against Wisconsin, trailing by 15 points or more at half this century. Wisconsin was 120 and 0 when leading by 15 plus points at half. Now 120 and 1. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. I don't know if uh, you know you ever trailed by 15 at the half, but if you're Nebraska in that spot and you're getting smacked around at home, you know what, what's being said, and, and you know what has to happen to claw back into that game.
4: Well, there's an old saying, early leads never last. Uh, and uh, Frank Vogel, actually, when I played for him uh, in Indiana, he used to say that to us a lot. So we, <laughs> I've uh, experienced being uh, down by much more than 15 and a half. Uh, but I will say, Nebraska, you've got to give them credit. Uh, they stayed with it. They stayed with their game plan. And then C.J. Welcher came off the bench and just lit them up in the second half. And that's really what you need to make these big comebacks, uh, You need somebody to go off and have a big night because obviously they were in the hole. And, you know, this is a huge win for Nebraska uh, because I consider Wisconsin a very good quality team. I think they've uh, kind of been a big surprise throughout college basketball this year. And so I actually thought the game was over heading into half. And so Nebraska showed me a lot tonight. Uh, But also they did a great job, I felt like, defensively. uh, They didn't foul a lot. Wisconsin only got to the free throw line 12 times uh, so whenever you have that type of de- defensive discipline I think it's going to pay off in the long run and, and
3: Jarrell they also did this basically and it, it was sort of a you know a coaching decision here just going with the hot hand it feels like at the time but they also did it when they only got you know two points and three rebounds from Tobennega how much more impressive does that make this win for Nebraska when one of your star players you know only has two on the night?
2: Oh, uh, it, it was pretty impressive, John. And uh and that's primarily just because like you said, Tominaga has been one of the guys that they've leaned on all year. Uh, especially uh for perimeter players and scoring wise offensively. And uh, you know, he really couldn't hit the backside of a barn tonight. Uh eventually just got to a point where uh you know, you got to a point where they, they, they sat down down the stretch of the game there because some of the other guys got it going. But a uh, really impressive win. Uh, I think I thought Rink Mass was great uh he didn't have the most efficient night got off to a pretty slow start but kind of got it got it rolling there uh uh when the comeback ensued in the second half but uh just like uh tyler said uh cj welcher got it going man and he got hot i think he ended up hitting five threes total for the game uh and i was really impressed too with uh with bryce williams down the stretch man i thought he uh i thought he was really calm and forced uh he made some big shots hit some big free throws down the stretch of the game uh kind of kind of to get control of the game i don't think they had their first lead into about 30 seconds left in the game when they went up like one to two points uh from the free throws but uh impressive win and uh a really big win because uh being down 19 the way that wisconsin traditionally plays uh they're a really hard team to beat and uh and come back on from behind because they they usually do such a great job of time management and uh you know, kind of stretching possessions out a little bit longer. But make no mistake about it, they got a little bit rattled tonight, man. Those guys turned the ball over 16 times. Uh, I think that was a season high for them as well, too, for this year. So, uh, you know, they got it, they got it rocking in, the, in that arena a little bit with the Cornhuskers and, uh, you know, Wisconsin wasn't able to stop the bleeding in time.
3: Yeah, Tyler, you mentioned it. I'm just curious. I mean, because, you know, part of it is that's a really hard place to play. They win a lot there. You know, I'm not, I'm not really going to – penalize Wisconsin very much, you know, uh, for, for not getting it done. A lot of teams have come in there and not left with a win. For Wisconsin, and you mentioned it, how highly you think of them, they're pretty damn balanced.
4: What's what's Wisconsin's ceiling, you think, this year? Uh, well, Wisconsin to me has been, like I just said, a huge surprise. Uh, the more I watch them, actually, the more I like them. Uh, they have players. Uh, you know, I think the crawl kid – I think he can get it going. He does a lot. He's a great uh, leader. Uh, and th- to me, they're more of a, you know, they, they didn't keep a lot of players from last year. And, uh, you know, they've uh, kind of restructured the roster a little bit. But they've, um, they've shown discipline and uh, they've played well. They've had some big wins um, in the net. I think I, I don't know what their net ranking is right here in front of me, but I know they're one of the better teams uh, with the net ranking. Uh, but I, the, the ceiling, when I see them, you know, I think they could sweet 16. Uh, you know, I think that they're a team, even though the Big Ten, they catch a lot of heat for, you know, not having a lot of quality teams outside of Purdue. I, um, I think Wisconsin is one of those teams, and uh, I do think they, they're capable of making a deep tournament run just because I think they're a more disciplined team. Uh, Jarrell,
3: from Jarrell, on the Nebraska piece, I mean, this is now, I mean, you talk about two of the best wins in college basketball, beating Purdue and now uh, beating Wisconsin tonight. And, look, they're going to go to Illinois on Sunday and they'll have a chance. Obviously, they're a little different on the road as mo- as most college basketball teams are. What about for Nebraska? You know, what 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 could they do? What kind of noise do you think they can make? Uh, they, they really should have, you know, solidified a bid as of today. What kind of noise do you think they can make in the tournament?
2: You guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, I'm just saying we for Nebraska noise.
3: Do you think they can make in the tournament?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I think I think I think Nebraska will be a fun team. I think they'll have an opportunity for sure. Uh, I I would think the ceiling will probably be the second weekend. I think that's a team that can make that, they can get hot and, uh and push it to the Sweet Sixteen. Maybe if they if they hit the right if they get the right layout in the uh, in the tournament and everything.
3: Yeah, I think that would definitely be a welcome sight for for you know, those fans and, and obviously Fred Hoiberg, um, happy to see that for sure. Uh, okay. As we're, you know, while we're on the subject of the big 10, um, Purdue obviously got a big win, uh, controversially, I guess some would even say, uh, yesterday over Northwestern dwarfed Northwestern's free throw attempts. Um, Tyler, you, you know, you're big. And, and if you were on that Northwestern team, you would have to be down there battling with Zach Eady, And he was at the line and he was living at the line. And a lot of the talk yesterday was how he's officiated and how he's supposed to be guarded or what you can do. So, you know, from your perspective as somebody that would have to do that and take on that assignment, um, how do you think he's officiated um, and how would you guard him if you had that, that uh, responsibility?
4: Um, well, first of all, I don't think uh, the free throw discrepancy is – always a good way uh, to judge the refs on, you know, whether they, you know, called the game or officiated the game the right way. Uh, There are teams out there that have better defensive discipline and they don't foul as much. Uh, So I've never been a big fan and I don't think that actually the free throws should match up on the box score. Uh, Some teams don't foul more than others. Some teams attack the rim more than others. There's different styles that create that outcome. Uh, So that's never been a good judgment for me. But Zach Edey does draw more fouls uh, than most people because he's a mismatch every single night he's on the on the floor and people can't stop him. So that's going to lead to him getting more free throws and actually getting fouled more. Uh, also, he plays down low, uh, which is a more physical game, so uh, the fouls can happen a lot. You know, a lot more. Northwestern, uh, they're uh, you know they're guard guard oriented. So they shoot a lot of outside Mm -hmm. jump shots. They didn't attack the rim nearly as much as Purdue did. So that's going to prevent them from getting to the free throw line. But I I think the way you guard Edie is I think you make him work on both ends. Uh, And also it's a team effort. I don't think it's one person's responsibility. I think everybody's got to be aware of where he is, and you can't let him get the ball close to the rim uh, because if the closer he gets that ball to the rim inside, it prevents the double team. And with Edie, you're gonna have to double team him uh, just because of his size and what he does close to the rim. So you have to make sure that you get him away from the the lane and you have to be physical with him. But on the offensive end, I think you've got to wear him down. You've got to put him in ball uh, screens and make him work defensively. Uh, That way he can wear down and tired more easily. Uh, And you would hope that that uh, helps you out more. Jarrell, from what you've
3: seen of of Purdue, and look, I think last year when you sort of diagnosed, you know, what went wrong, it was really that the, the guards weren't good enough. They went out and they hit the portal a little bit and brought in Jones. From what you've seen from last year to this one, you know, Braden Smith, how much better is that backcourt? And are they better equipped, in your opinion, you know, to make the run that really they should make?
2: yeah absolutely. and I think that they did a great job of getting guys uh that kind of fit the mode of what they were missing from uh from last year going into this year, so I think Lance Jones is a huge pickup uh he gives them a little bit more needed athleticism on the perimeter uh you know obviously Braden Smith is the point guard, and he does a really good job but at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you get to the guts of the game, you're going to have a guy, you need a guy on the perimeter that can go get a bucket or at least get a viable shot attempt 10th off uh, when they need to. And I think Lance Jones is kind of that guy for them. He gives them a different element. Uh, and, and, and as well, he's another guy that can stretch the floor and make shots from the outside. And uh, for the most part, he's been playing really, really well uh, early, on, uh, early on throughout the course of this season. And uh, for the most part, he's gonna be a guy that they lean on down the stretch. So I think that they they did the job. I think they got the right pieces. Uh, the only thing that kind of scares me about them a little bit is maybe depth. Uh, they tend to struggle a little bit when one of those guys doesn't have it going or has a little bit of an off night. Or uh, obviously, you know, the obvious as well too, if your uh, ED ever gets in foul trouble, which is just bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at at some sort of time because guys like that are just so hard to officiate. Uh, I know people get irate about the calls that he gets and, you know, how how many times he goes to the free throw line as well, too. But I've seen him on many nights get a tough whistle and pick up two or three quick early fouls uh, for the most part just from being a big guy and uh, being in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So uh, I think it works a little bit both ways. But I definitely think they're a lot more equipped this year. Uh, Look, the expectation for Purdue – is going to be final four this year. Uh, I think anything sh- short of that is going to be a little bit of a shortcoming for them.
3: No question. Todd, do you agree with that? Do you sort of feel like they are, you know, and look, it was a, you know, it's, a, it's one game. So we, we know sort of the, the variance of college basketball and, that, and the way that tournament is designed. But do you, when you watch them, do you see, you know, this team is going to be able to handle all of that better than they did last year?
4: Yeah, actually, I think what happened last year is going to prepare them uh, for the tournament uh, this year. I think uh, it's going to show them how important one game can be, how you can quickly lose, uh, and I think it's going to make them come into the tournament this year with a little bit of an edge. And, uh, you know, when you look at Purdue and the teams that they've beat and the expectations and Edie coming back, uh, they are a Final Four team they can get to the final four Uh, expectations would be the final four. That's my expectations for them as well. Uh, And I think that they, uh, I would consider them a contender based off of who they have and what they've done in their strength of schedule.
3: Yeah. And I would say like, we all remember Virginia going down to UMBC in embarrassing fashion and they come back the very next year and they win it all, you know, so you sort of start to wonder You know, is that something we could, could history repeat itself with Purdue bringing back pretty much everybody on that team? You know, I'm starting to kind of think that it could be in the cards. All right, we're going to come back here on Field of 68 after dark.
1: We're going to get into the disaster that is Memphis. Stick around back after this. As you guys know by now, we've partnered
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome
3: back to Field of 68 After Dark. We are everywhere. Uh, Sirius XM, YouTube, we are on X stadium obviously after this uh hour is up we're going to be on stadium with last call answering all your questions so if you have questions make sure to get those in in the chat and we will get to them uh, a little bit later all right fellas uh I think what's happening in Memphis is a cautionary tale I don't think it's just about uh Memphis I don't think it's just about Penny Hardaway although that is sort of a, a big part of it but the Tigers have now in the span of seventeen days gone from being top ten in the country in the AP poll to out of the NCAA tournament with last I checked like a seven to eight percent chance of getting an at-large bid, which is kind of unfathomable when you think about the way they started the season. But here we are. Tyler it it, it it's different today than it was when we obviously when both you guys played. Um and now guys are entering the transfer portal, and they are very open and honest, and I don't begrudge them this, but they're very open and honest about what they want, which is NIL money. Um, And Memphis is a place, you know, that is going to go after those kinds of guys. They brought in 10 new players, added Naquan Tomlin from Kansas State, uh, you know, in December, and they're, I think, really having a hard time bringing these guys together. I think in Memphis's case, and in any college basketball team's case, too much of one thing, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Um, so Tyler, in terms of bringing that many and they're all they're good players individually in a vacuum, but how difficult is it when you're asking so many new faces to come together in one nine month period and win at a high level?
4: Uh, it takes time. and Velanova is one of those teams as, you know as well where they have a lot of really good players. Uh, but they haven't played with each other a lot. And I think what uh, a lot of people are undervaluing is experience, age, uh, and the chance to be coached. I think a lot of kids, if there's something that doesn't go right or they're not getting the NIL deal that they want, they're too quick to leave school. Uh, And uh, college isn't all about NIL money. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, uh, being coached by a very good coach, allowing him to coach you, and stop running from, you know, you know what you think uh, in your mind, why you're not getting the money, or why you're not producing, or you're not getting the minutes. Uh, and I, I've never been a big fan of kids who just transfer, transfer, transfer. I, I think that there needs to be, you know, more value placed on uh, the college basketball experience, and I do think that. It doesn't matter what college you're at. I think if you're successful enough, NIL money is going to find you. And, you know, there are different cases. I thought Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas, I thought that was a good move, uh, playing for Bill Self, who's a very good coach. Uh, and I'm not knocking Penny. I just think that, uh, you know, the thought of especially college kids just coming to a new team uh, and haven't had a lot of experience together and automatically trying to see the success that they want, I don't think that's feasible. I don't, don't, you know, especially as they're still trying to develop their game and, you know, create the basketball skills that they want. uh, They're too quick to leave. I think there's a lot of value in, you know, experience, especially with my teams. You saw, I won it my senior year and we had talent every single year. Uh, It takes a while to build a championship roster and the one thing it is doing and it is creating is you're seeing older teams from mid-majors make big runs fau last year san diego state they're making run and look at their roster they're not young kids they're old uh experienced strong dudes and i think that is what is winning now in college versus these five-star recruits that are coming in that haven't had a lot of d1 experience or gone against you know, bigger, stronger, faster players. And I think that's why these mid-majors with these older guys who have stayed at one spot are having a lot of success.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jarrell, this is this is not a, um, a quality issue because you don't beat Clemson. You don't beat Arkansas and Michigan on a neutral. You don't beat Texas A&M on the road if you're not a good team, right, if you don't have talent. But you, you follow that up with four straight losses at home to Rice – Blow a twenty-point lead to South Florida at home, lose to Tulane and UAB on the road. There's something internal, right? I mean, is there any other explanation?
2: I mean, it it, it surely seems like it might be something, um, but it's nothing that to my to my sight or you know common knowledge that is just glaring about it uh, as of right now. So I don't kind of want to create problems in their locker room. That may or may not be there, but uh, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is they they lost they they've lost their last four games, and uh and for me the common denominator has been um it's been pretty simple they they turned the ball over in each one of those four losses more than they, they've had more turnovers than they had assists in every four in all four of those games. And, uh, you know, that's just home, road, no matter where you play, neutral site, that's sort of a recipe for disaster anyway. So uh, those guys need to kind of clean it up. Uh, I, think they're, I think their defense has been lacking a little bit uh, here the last month or so as well. Uh, I think that was kind of their calling card and what they hung their hat on. That this is going to be a tough, older team, an experienced team that was going to buckle down at the end of the day and uh, and make a n- nice living hell for the opponent on the defensive end. And they were at a point where they were kind of just going to manufacture enough points to win games. And, uh, you know, things aren't going that way uh, anymore. Teams are kind of starting to get more accustomed to their style of play and they're they're exploiting uh, gaps and weaknesses in their defenses and they're able to score the ball. So, uh, you know, they're kind of getting into these shootout situations, but they're not taking care of the ball. Uh, They're making pivotal mistakes down the stretch of basketball games. Uh, like the, I think it was the, the USF game where they had the, the blown coverage on the inbound play and the guy gets like a wide open run at the rim. Uh, that type of stuff can't happen when you got guys. Number one, I guess you could even say, going back to the NIL stuff, like you said, John, when you have guys that are getting paid that much and guys have, that have had the experience that some of these guys have had, uh, has, pl- have played that much basketball, some of these things are kind of inexcusable. So, you know, uh, but just like going off what Tyler said as well, too, look, every, this type of stuff takes time. I was going to say that. like We're asking uh, a bunch of college kids to do this on shit. I it's NBA teams that can't do this. Uh, I don't know if Miami's won a game since they traded for Terry Rozier. And that's not to say that it's his fucking fault. It's just, man, you know, that's just – They got got one last night. They finally got one. They got one last night. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that was their first win. But, you know, it's not to say it's anybody's fault. It's just, man, you know, it takes time when you're switching roles. And, you know what I mean, guys are going to have to be in different spots. You're going to get a new piece to your team. That takes time for for pros. So, of course, it's not going to be easy just to throw together and piece together for college guys in, in a short amount of time.
3: Yeah, look, again, I think this is bigger than Memphis. I think if you're a college basketball coach at a high level, I think you'd be paying close attention um, and and be very selective, you know, about what you do with the portal. Because, Tyler, I got to tell you, man, you know, when you don't have the continuity and you have adult players, I mean, Memphis is one of the oldest teams in the country and you don't have like that culture where guys have been there for three to four years, when you enter into a bout of adversity, like they're in an embarrassing stretch, like who, who is going to pull them out? Right. Like, like when you, it's not like you have a guy that's been there. That's a star player, you know, for three, like, like an RJ Davis, for example, that guy. So how, how much harder does it get? when you're in a situation like this, whether it's Memphis or whoever, and if you have a bunch of transfers, but there's not that sort of built in. I've been here for three years. I'm going to be the man to pull us out of it. How much harder does that challenge become?
4: It's tough to build culture, especially in the NIL right now because guys are just leaving and coming. It's like a revolving door. And, uh, you know, you do make a good point because, uh, You know, if the team has been together for three or four years and, you know, they're headed in the right direction and they have like a, you know, they have leaders on the team, they have guys who have set a standard of, you know, working hard and getting their work in, and then they know how to buckle down and grind, grind, it's easy to add one or two pieces or three or four players to add to that culture because they can easily buy in. It's difficult to have that when you have, Uh, a roster turnover at the rate that college basketball is having right now with the portal. And we've talked about it last year, how bad the portal is being run. And and it's not just college basketball. It seems like, uh, you know, college football is even more of a disaster. Uh, And and I don't even want to talk about how bad the NCAA is done with handling the portal. But it is hard to build that culture when you have guys leaving and coming uh, as much as they are right now. And that is a great point. My advice would be to look at the portal as
3: something that you enhance your roster with, you know, as, as you mentioned, Tyler, like a, like a Hunter Dickinson, like a piece, like, okay, we, Mm -hmm. we need one or two pieces that are going to take us over. You cannot expect to win at a sustainable high level when you have nothing but nine, you know, nothing but, but, you know, for, for Memphis, for, as an example, nine, 10 new guys, I think there are only four programs that have brought in that many players from the portal, St. John's new coach, West Virginia, new coach, Seton Hall, new coach, and then Memphis. I mean, Penny's been here for five, six years, you know, and none of those teams are headed to the NCAA tournament, not one. So. Yeah, I just I think it's uh, I think it's a cautionary tale. And Jarrell, listen, this this question's on the uh, on the rundown. I'll I'll just address it. Penny Hardaway's not getting fired for for a variety of reasons. I don't even think that should be the conversation right now. He has been in two straight NCAA tournaments, but you know I, I just wonder if he misses if he misses this year, and it's a, all these guys are gone and we have another. You know, it just I think the question is where's the trajectory, right? That would sort of be where my question on Mips is: Where is that arrow pointing right now?
2: Um, it's, it's a hard question to answer. Um, I think right now, like as far as in season, is definitely pointing in, in the wrong direction. They're on a downward hill. But just as far as overall and what Penny's done, I still think he's done a hell of a job in the time he's been there. He's made them competitive, and they've uh, and they've made the tournament for the most part. So uh, he's still trending up right now. This year won't seal his fate one way or another. But I will say this. I think it creates a different different set of of issues or a problem maybe for coaches. Uh, Just hearing you guys talk about that now because I feel like uh, coaches aren't entitled to that time to build programs anymore with the (laughs) portal. So it's like, you know, because you see some of these guys – get to these places, hit the portal hard. And some of them have success early on. But like you said, is it sustainable? Maybe and maybe not. Uh, But you play a dangerous game kind of getting back and doing that year in and year out without actually getting your guys in, creating a culture and developing guys too. So I think it creates a a different set of problems for coaches as well too. You don't don't get as much leniency as time to build up your program the way you would in years past.
3: I mean, it's just a very simple exercise. Look at the best teams in the country right now, right? And, and, and there's going to be a common theme. And the common theme is that they've got their best players, for the most part, are returners. There's continuity. And that's, and that's hard to build at a high level, but it's what you have to strive for. All right, it's going to be a hell of a weekend in college basketball. We're going to pick some games. Go around the horn when we get back. You're watching Field of 68 After Dark. Back after this.
1: Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best College Hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, Co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind. Change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your College Hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot. The Autograph fandom Map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple.
3: All right, welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. Thanks for making us a part of your Thursday night. Uh, This weekend is going to be one for the books in college basketball. We have four Top ten matchups that we're going to get to uh, in just a little bit, but it's not just about the top ten matchups. There's just some good ass games uh, just around the country, even even you know not top ten games. So, uh, fellas, we're going to go around the uh, around the way here, and we're going to pick some games uh, and, and and get our uh, get our stuff on the record. Let's kick it off with Cincinnati at Texas Tech. This is now a Big Twelve matchup because Cincinnati is out of the AAC and in the Big Twelve. Uh, Tyler, we'll just start with you. Cincinnati
4: at Texas Tech. These are Ken Palm projections, uh, minus four. I've got Cincinnati winning this one. Uh, I'm a big fan of Victor Locken. Uh, I do think Cincinnati has a very dynamic uh, roster. Uh, they they play hard, um, and they have guards that can get up and down, and they can really put pressure uh, especially on Texas Tech, because they can do different things defensively. They can trap, they can press. And I think Wes Miller's one of the best coaches in college basketball. I like what Cincinnati is doing. They've had a lot of close games. Uh, they could have easily pulled out some of these close ones and had a much better resume, but they've got some good wins. They're a quality team, uh, and uh, I like Cincinnati for this one.
3: Yeah, I think this is just to pick the winner. But, it you know, it's kind of con- – I'm conflicted a little bit because I think I like the four with Cincinnati, but I don't know if I would necessarily pick them to win the game. So both teams are going to be coming off a loss. Um, so obviously very desperate situation. I will take Texas Tech at home, but if it was against a spread, I might take the points. But I, I'm not going to cop out. I'll go Texas Tech gets it done at home. Jarrell, where are you on this one?
2: Yeah, I'm with you on this one, John. I think uh, I think Texas Tech gets it done at home. Uh, Joe uh, Pop Isaacs and uh, Joe Tucson will be too much for them. Uh, they'll wear them down there, and uh, the Red Raiders pull this one off.
3: Tyler, you mentioned it real quick while we're on the subject. You know, Cincinnati took a and was taking an absolutely massive leap going from the AAC to the Big Twelve and like who the hell knows right how that's going to look but what has made them i think most people would probably say cincinnati's been more successful than they expected in their first year like what's made them successful from what you've seen of them
4: um for one uh, i think they play extremely hard uh and and i know a lot of people are going to sit here and criticize me but Listen, they have a, a very dynamic uh, roster. They have a lot of different guards. <clears throat> Day-Day Thomas, uh, he's a very good guard. He can do different things. They can, they can have different lineups. Uh, Jizzle James, uh, he's another guard who can get it down, very athletic. Um, and I, I just think that uh, Victor Locken, too, and I've always said this, he's an underrated big in college basketball uh he can pass uh he can get his confidence going and also he's one of those guys that is capable if he sees a few shots go in i think he could have a big scoring night uh and he is more of a euro guy i think he can uh you know he has the ability to step out and knock it down uh from outside so yeah i i do think cincinnati has been a big surprise from the outside uh but for me what i've seen from them yeah. I, I don't think it's that big of a surprise i was a little bit You know, I'm always a little bit hesitant, especially, you know, that's why I don't think that Houston was going to have the season they had coming into the Big 12 because I I think it's such a new challenge uh, because of what the Big 12 and how difficult it is to go on the road and try to win every single night uh, because it is the toughest uh, conference in basketball right now. All three of those teams that,
3: uh, that migrated over from the AAC, UCF beat Kansas and Texas, cincinnati we already just talked about and obviously houston's picking up where they left off in the aac all three of those teams doing much better in the big 12 than i would have ever guessed (laughs) so shout out to those teams man that's not an easy thing to do and they're making it look pretty easy all right uh staying in the big 12 iowa state at baylor baylor projected by kim bomb minus three where are you on this one tyler
4: i'm going baylor uh Jacoby Walter to me, he's a guy that can really get it, you know, get it going. I think he is a guy that can create his own shot from anywhere on the floor. I love what he's doing. Uh, I like Scott Drew, and I know that uh, Iowa State, you know, they've been a little bit of a surprise, but they're a tough team. But I think at Baylor and the way they play defense, I just uh, I see Baylor pulling this one out. And yeah, I take the spread as well.
3: Yep, I agree. I mean, obviously, this was an Iowa State, it'd be a totally different spread. It'd be a totally different situation. Um, just on the road, I don't think it's a it's a great spot. Though Iowa State did get it done against TCU. I think Baylor's a little bit better. I, ha- I have Baylor rated a little bit higher than TCU. So I-, I, too, will go with Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears getting it done at home. Jarrell, where are you?
2: Yep, I'm with you guys on this one as well, man. It'll be a clean sweep um i think baylor gets it done uh obviously iowa state is a they're a special team but i think they're a really good team at home man i think they're a different team out here on the road especially in the big 12 where uh you know most of these environments that you're going in you really feel their home court uh their home court advantage and their presence on the road and uh you know baylor's baylor's actually one of the teams that uh you know, I, I, I start I'm starting a little I was starting to lose a little bit of uh, faith in there. Uh that I think they I think I thought they were, I thought they were gonna be a little bit better than they uh did they kinda played this year. They don't have a ton of quality wins. They kinda handle business and games that they were supposed to, but everything wasn't exactly coming together, especially getting here into the into Big Twelve play. So they're coming off a tough loss though, uh in the three overtime game against T C U. Uh so they'll in 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 another game after that. So uh I think I think I think Baylor gets it done. They win in a bounce back fashion. Uh, just questions going forward with them, though, man. Those guys kind of got to figure things out and get it rolling back like that old school Scott Drew style on the defensive end, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of find some more guys to step up from the bench depth standpoint.
3: Absolutely. Last game uh, uh, in this segment from the Big Twelve. We're gonna go to Texas on the road at TCU. Texas, of course, off that. Oh. They played really hard. It probably felt like they should have won the game, heartbreaker in some ways, against Houston. Uh, But they are five-point dogs at TCU. Where are you at on this one, Tyler?
4: I'm going TCU. Uh, And uh, I think being that it's at TCU is going to make a huge difference. Uh, But also, I think TCU, Emmanuel Miller, he's a guy that can really get it going. He's playing well. Uh, He is – I just think that TCU is – more of a complete team. And also, uh, TCU, they could have had a big time victory at Kansas. Uh, they have the capability of playing with any team in the country when they have it rolling. So I, I like TCU because I think their upside is much better than Texas. And I think, though, Max A. Smith, I think that, um, you know, I'm not really sure how good he's really been a plug and play guy. I think that, uh, you know, he's a little bit of a Sprague scorer at sometimes. And it takes a. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot of shots to really get him going at times. So uh, that can be a drawback. But, you know, I, I like TCU in this.
3: I'm in complete agreement. And I also just think part of it is TCU feels like to me is playing its best basketball of the season. Um, obviously getting it done on the road against Baylor last weekend. You follow that up with a home win. Tough one against Texas Tech. I think they're kind of coming into their own. They're kind of peaking right now. Um, and I'm just – like you, I'm not really sold on what I'm going to get from Texas. Like I think I can probably count on d Sue, and I can probably count on Ace Miss. I don't necessarily know on on Dylan Mitchell. I don't necessarily know on Turner, especially on the road. I, I just I don't know if I can trust him. So I think TCU get, definitely gets this one done at the house. What do you think,
2: Jarrell? Uh, I'm rolling with you guys again. I got TCU winning at home. Uh, I do. I I will say this. I have enjoyed to see kind of the uh, the progression that Texas has made. I thought, like you said, John. I thought they played uh, they, uh, te- uh, Houston really tough the other night, man. That was actually a hell of a game. I watched that whole thing start to finish. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, yeah. And I think they're I think they're playing better uh, as they got in the Big Twelve play here. But um, like you said, I think they still have issues outside of Ace and and D'Souza scoring the ball, uh, and and more concerning I don't think they 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 have a great defensive team. They got. A couple of guys they can guard, but a lot of people are actually attacking aces on the other end. Absolutely, uh, and you know it's, it's been it's been a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a challenge just for him to hold up his end of the bargain on the defensive end in the Big Twelve, just playing at such a high level. Uh, but I think TCU, man, they're a complete team. Uh, like Tyler spoke to, Emmanuel Miller is really good. Uh, But the impressive thing about them is that, you know, they got about three or four guys in that mix who are averaging right around 10 to 12 points after that. And so they really spread it around. They can hurt you in a variety of ways, and they got a ton of guys they can get out there and give them extended minutes too off the bench. So I like TCU. I think they're a lot better than a lot of people are giving them credit for early on. Yeah, just another night in the Big
3: 12, man. You got to get over your heartbreak uh, and and go on the road to play another ranked team. That's opportunity. I guess you could look at it like that. Uh, All right, we're moving to the Big East. Uh, UConn at St. John's. Projection here is uh, UConn minus four, Tyler.
4: UConn, and UConn's going to win by much more. UConn's, uh, to me, the best team in the country. Uh, Tristan Newton, Cam Spencer, uh, Caravan, Klingen, those guys, that team plays as hard as any team in the country, if not harder. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of hurling what he's doing at UConn. I think when they're playing well, they're almost unstoppable. I really like how uh, UConn's – I know that I've said, like, this team has been a big surprise uh, like four or five times tonight for you know, a lot of different teams. But this team, uh, for having won the title last year and coming coming back this year, losing some guys and still – not even missing a beat, UConn's playing unbelievable. So I got UConn rolling big at St. John's.
3: Yeah, um, this number is not going to be four. Uh, There's no universe (laughs) where uh, this is going to be what the actual spread is. I assume it's probably going to be double this. Um, And I made a choice. I made a conscious choice in my life that uh, I'm no longer going to try to step in front of the Huskies train, bro. Just not going to do it. I, I'm 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 bankrupt. I have to like do 50 more of these shows to get even back to even, uh, because of uh me betting against UConn. So no, absolutely not. UConn does roll. They're the best team in the country right now, for my money. When Klingon's on the floor, um, I just I just don't see. I I know it's hard to do, but I think they are the most bankable team in terms of winning a championship. Jarrell, what do you think?
2: I'm I'm going UConn as well. I don't think um. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't really think that uh, – I think the only way that St. John's can beat UConn is, is if they, they allow the pressure to get to them and they somehow turn them over. But I, I think that the UConn guards are just too good. Uh, I don't think they'll get sped up. I don't think – I think they'll make them pay on the other end once the pressure comes and get easy baskets out of it and they'll wear them down. Not to mention is that the garden and uh, it's going to be 75% UConn fans there. But <clears throat> I am really interested in seeing – uh the post-game press conferences uh from the coaches that'll be yes. fun to see uh to hurley and patino go at it a little bit they've been sending some shots uh back and forth yes. to the media for the last month or so so that i mean it'll be fun and according to patino's the last last damn game they'll get in the garden they go into the small gym after this so that that's should right be fun.
3: yeah no it should be a great atmosphere all right we got some other games including maybe a, a rivalry game you've heard of Get to that uh, and more on the other side. You're watching Field of 68 After Dark.
1: What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox. You guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball, from the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured, to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content. And it's subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled field of 68 content let me tell you guys about the field of 68 merch store head over to field 68.shop for officially branded field of 68 apparel whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the field of 68shop
3: All right, welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, I'm John Martin, Tyler Hansbro, Jarrell McNeil on with me tonight. Hey, we're gonna do last call on stadium. So if you got questions about college basketball, make sure to get those in to the chat, and we're gonna answer them uh, in the show as soon as this one goes off. Um, real quick, I was just thinking about it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say UConn uh, alt spread minus 30 this weekend i'm going that far i think it's just going to be a squash spot you know what i'm <laughs> going to do i'm going to put it in vaulted Vaulted's an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee it's the place to store your own predictions forever and by using the vaulted challenge feature you can prove you're smarter than your friends all you have to do go download the vaulted app spelled v-l-t-e-d to challenge your friends store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee yukon minus 30. There you go. All right, we have a few more games to get two fellas, to pick for the weekend. We will start with a uh, I'm not sure if this one will. Uh, this one might be on ESPN plus uh, Duke, North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, <laughs> minus six, uh, There They're uh,
4: at home. Tyler, what do you think about the matchup, man? I think it's going to be closer than that. Um, but I do think that, uh, obviously, the Tar Heels, my team, uh, much different team this year. And Duke had our number last year. Um, I think Filipowski came into the Smith Center and just kind of dominated us. But I think this is a different team. Uh, Harrison Ingram is a different issue, and he allows us to spread the court. I think Armando, um, you know, he's shown, you know, that he can step up in big games and be dominant. And I know he hasn't. You know, recently had the games that, you know, you know he's he's used to having, but he still can have huge, impactful uh, games. And R.J. Davis is a different player this year. He's playing with his confidence. Uh, I think him not having to handle the ball and having L.A. Cadeau run the point guard has been uh, dramatically different for his game. The way he impacts the game now, I think he's always a threat, always hunting his shot, and I think his confidence – uh, he's playing, you know, with this confidence as high uh, as it's ever been. And uh, I love what he's doing. Uh, but, um, you know, Duke is one of those teams that have big athletic guards. And, uh, you know, we've been vulnerable at times, especially against UConn when we played them. They have those big physical guards. And so that's the reason why I think this game's going to be so close. Jerry McCain, he's a Duke player who's playing extremely well. Kyle Phil Lepowski, Uh, Proctor, those guys can go off, but also, I don't think that a lot of people, for some reason, give Jeremy Roach the credit that he deserves. He's one of those guys that's been consistently having good nights, and he's been a consistently good player for Duke. Uh, It's just that they have so much talent that sometimes these guys get overlooked.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I respect your opinion on this one. Nobody knows it better, but i i actually like carolina and the points um coming off the loss there i mean you know obviously you know not an, it's it's a really easy game to get up for anyway but <laughs> i don't know i'm just not i think sometimes i find duke relying a little bit too much on philipowski their guards are sort of coming into their own as the season progresses but i don't know i think north carolina bounces back in a big way with their guys here so i will go with north carolina and i think i'm gonna get there with the six Jarrell where are you
2: uh, I think it I think it'll be a I think first of all I think it'll be a close game. I don't think that six is gonna happen. Uh unless, you know, Carolina kinda gets momentum and blows the doors off at the end. But I'm gonna take a left turn here and I'm gonna go with Duke. I'm gonna go with Duke on the road. Oh, uh only 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 way that happens is just if I think Proctor has a big night. I think Proctor plays really, really high level. Uh he has one of those special nights. And uh, he's able to somehow steal, steal a victory uh, at UNC. So I'm gonna take a little bit of a left turn. I know Tyler won't like that, but he'll be in the building, so he'll have front row seats for the whole thing.
3: No doubt, should be a, uh, as always <laughs> uh, a ridiculous atmosphere. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Houston at Kansas. I mean, that's another heavyweight bout, right? Houston uh, projected uh, minus two at Kemper over. Kansas, uh, can can Houston do this on the road once again, Tyler?
4: No, they're not going to do it. Uh, nobody win, wins at Lawrence. I think it's just too tough of an atmosphere to to win at. And I think Kansas has been one of those teams where they they've just shown up to some games and just laid a goose egg. Uh, mm-hmm. But they don't do that at home. And I think they have veteran players: Hunter Dickinson, uh, McCuller. Uh, Harris, I just think they're too good at home, and I think their crowd has a huge impact. And yeah, you know, I, I know Houston. I like Houston. They've uh, they've been a much better team than I've given them credit for. And uh, you know, I, I just don't think that they can win at Lawrence because nobody does.
3: I'm gonna be interested to see how Hunter Dickinson handles the physics of those Houston bigs. Um, and for those reasons, I'm gonna take Houston. Because I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to handle it. Um, What they do is very, very, very hard to deal with. Um, And they're tough and they get up in you and make your life a living hell for 40 minutes. They're not overly skilled, but they know exactly how to win games and they know what they have to do to do it. So um, with Kelvin Sampson, man, I'm going to say those bigs are too tough. That team is too tough. A lot of shot making with Cryer, you know, who's been in the Big 12. Um, and shed i think they do it on the road uh where are you at drell
2: i'm going to take kansas uh and and i don't i don't think it'll be necessarily particularly close uh and to be honest john i think it's going to be for the exact opposite reason of what you just said uh i anticipate dickinson will have a big night uh, and and that's no uh, and that's no shot at the Houston Bigs. Like you said, I got a ton of respect for those guys. I love how hard they play. Uh, they're not the biggest guys in the world, but they got good length and activity. And those guys play uh, Kelvin Sampson type of basketball. But I think at the end of the day, just the way that Bill Self kind of has it designed to force the Dickinson uh, almost every play. You know what I mean? He's going to get opportunity to touch the ball. Uh, he'll be able to stretch the floor a little bit and try to step out. But he's going to do a lot of ducking in and things like that. I think he'll get those guys in foul trouble, uh, especially at Kansas, uh, where they usually get a pretty favorable whistle anyway. So uh, I think he'll get them in foul trouble. I think Dickinson has a big game. uh, And I think Kansas kind of runs away with this one.
3: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it uh should be a, should yeah. be a hell of a game. All right, again, heavyweight matchups, man. I mean, it's one of those weekends where you just kind of like carve out the day uh, and just watch college basketball. Tennessee on the road at Kentucky. Both these teams coming off, uh, you know, some unfortunate L's at home. Tennessee to South Carolina, Kentucky in overtime to Florida. I'm like, Coach Cow, my man. When the hell are you going to learn to foul up three? Was the championship game in 08 like not enough? Losing overtime again. I mean, stubborn. He's a stubborn man. Uh, Tennessee projected minus two, Tyler, on the road at Rupp. Do they have what it takes to go in there and pull this off?
4: No, they don't. Uh, Kentucky's going to win this one. I would love for Tennessee to win it, but uh, I do think Tennessee's, you know, it's – I think they have too much, and they've – they're coming off a loss. So, uh, you know, they're going to be, you know, more focused and they're going to be desperate. So, uh, also, uh, Tennessee at times, if uh, Connect isn't scoring, they're going to have, you know, their difficulties finding scoring from somebody else. But Kentucky's one of those teams that they're just too athletic. I think the the Bradshaw kid, he challenges everything at the rim, and when he's playing – uh, he makes everything difficult inside. Antonio Reeves can get it going. Uh, I just think Kentucky's too athletic for Tennessee, especially at home. I think it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, some some injury
3: weirdness with Kentucky. DJ Wagner didn't play, uh, you know, uh, last night against uh, against Florida. Like if, if you told me he was in, I would say Kentucky. So I'll just assume he is. Uh, and I will say Kentucky bounces back for for all. I just think it's really really hard to win on the road like what Florida did last night should not have happened because you just foul up three like that is what the analytics are telling you to do. It's just obvious at this point. Uh, so I will take Kentucky at home. Jarrell, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'll start. I'll start by saying this. Um, outside of. Outside of and to, and to be honest, I think it's it's up there. It's neck and neck. Uh, this is probably my my most uh, intriguing game. I'll be excited to see this game. This should be a fun game to watch. Uh, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky going at it uh, at Kentucky, like you said, uh, obviously it'll be a, a, a very high importance if uh, if Kentucky is actually healthy or not, and they have all their guys. Uh, that'll make a huge difference. But I am rolling with Tennessee on this one. Um, I think Kentucky is kind of starting to hit some of these growing pains. Uh, the bumps and the bruises are catching up with some of their young guys. Uh, they've had to go into a few tough environments here and there already in the SEC, uh, and it's not going to get any easier. You know, you, uh, I remember my freshman year. You know, everybody always talked about like that wall. You know what I mean? So I think they may be kind of approaching it here, or running into that wall here. And I think uh, I think Tennessee gets a big statement statement win uh, away from home on the road at Kentucky this weekend.
3: All right, before we head over to stadium for last call toast of the night. I mean, is there if there's any other deserving uh player, coach or team besides Nebraska becoming the first team in the last 120 games to come back from down 15 to Wisconsin. I'd love to hear it, but it feels like feels like a universal toast of the night tonight, fellas. To Nebraska, back to Nebraska ball.
2: Nebraska ball. <laughs> I'm going so, CJ Walsh.
4: I'm I'm with you. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: because that's historic. I mean, again, you're talking about century stuff um, and, a, and a Wisconsin team that is very much designed not to give up leads um, <laughs> and you get that done. I know it's at home, but that's one of those wins that gets you for sure on the right side of the bubble. We're going to be heading over to stadium for last call. Follow us there for Tyler Hansbro, for Jarrell McNeil. I'm John Martin. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back this weekend.